Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Jesus declared that if we want to be his disciple, we need to read, study, and obey his word, the Bible. He said that if we will do this as a growing lifestyle, we will increasingly know the truth of who he is and will live a life of increasing freedom from deception. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 8 and look at the incredible privilege of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. Welcome to another teaching. It's a Wednesday morning here in Texas, and uh, hopefully we're just rocking in Jesus. Hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, spending time in your Bible. We're going to learn today that just really to know Jesus better is going to happen primarily, really above all, by spending time in the scriptures. That's how we're going to know the truth. We know the truth of, of who our Father is, of who the triune God is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We grow to know them better, not just know about them, but know them intimately uh, by spending time in the scriptures, in the living word of God, just, just feeding in the word of God. You remember in Matthew Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said that, that man doesn't live on bread alone, that people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this Bible, this holy Bible is the living word of God, the scriptures, the holy scriptures that the Lord has preserved for us in, in literally countless hours over the millennium, over the past 3,000 years, 4,000 years, um, have gone into just having us this Bible. Um, it, it's incredible. Like my brother Ethan likes to say, it didn't just fall out of the sky. There were countless thousands of hours put in, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of hours put in um, into getting us the scriptures that we have today, the living, inerrant word of God. Inerrant means that the scriptures are perfect. Since they are the word of God, they are perfect. And the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has preserved this Bible for us, that it, that it is perfect. So we can trust the word of God. And as we study the word of God, we grow to know the triune God better, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the meaning of life is growing in our relationship with Jesus, growing to know our Savior and our Lord better. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, today we are gonna, we're gonna do uh, verses 25 through 32. Very, very powerful verses in the scriptures. We're, we're in John 8. And Jesus has consistently been in discussions with the religious leaders, with the elite, high up, you know, uh, most powerful religious leaders in the world. He's in the temple courts. It's right next to the temple. And the Jewish leaders are there, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And they are, 
you know, they're experts in the Bible. They actually know the Bible, yet that the Bible spoke to them very clearly that the Messiah would come and the Savior would come. And Jesus very clearly told them that he is the Savior, but they continually reject him. They, they continually insult him. They, uh, they're continuing to find ways or look for ways to trap him. They try to have him arrested. And it cannot happen because it's not his time. Um, we've said this before that in John 18, he will allow himself to be arrested and, and tortured and persecuted for the sin of the world. But that cannot happen until the right time. And so he continues this dialogue with them in his mercy. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we can be impatient as ministers. I know that I can. Sometimes people just uh, are not willing to understand and we ought to be patient. But we ought to be firm. We're going to notice here that Jesus lovingly and willingly continues to dialogue with them. They continue to resist his teaching, but you'll see that he ratchets it up. He continues to say very hard things. Uh, He tells them, uh, look in verse 23. We said this last time. Uh, He says, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. That's John 8, 23. That's very firm language. He's telling the Jewish leaders, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, that they're from hell and that they are of hell. That's the substance of who they are. Without Jesus Christ, all of us are regrettably from below. That's a hard word. In 1 John chapter 5, he ends the book. You know, he, he explains to us at the end of chapter 5 that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That if you're not in Jesus Christ... The devil is the one that's dictating the course of your life. And again, I know that that's that's hard, but that's what the scripture teaches. That only in Jesus Christ do we have eternal life. Do we have spiritual life? Do we have the very life of God? God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit living in us. It's only in Jesus Christ that God the Father is our heavenly Father. Only in Jesus that that God the Son, Jesus, is our Lord and Savior and Master and King. And and we are part of his body. In Jesus Christ, we're part of the body of Christ. We're actually called the bride of Christ because we're married to Jesus in spirit. God the Holy Spirit is living in us for all eternity. And he is our guide, our counselor, our comforter. But if not, if we're not in Jesus, then we too are from below. If we're not in Jesus Christ, we are creatures of hell, spiritually dead, headed to hell. Now again, this this just sounds... It sounds heavy, right? It sounds harsh. I'm not not happy about it. But that's what the scripture teaches, that we desperately need Jesus. The very God 
Jesus, God the Son, that created Colossians 1, 15 to like 17. Jesus, the very one who created the universe, created the earth, then created mankind, men and women, to dwell in the earth. And and mankind went bad. We went sinful. We, We chose to disobey God. And we became sinful. And then we procreated sinful people to where the entire human race, all 8 billion people in the world, everyone that has ever lived since Adam and Eve, is sinful. And we did that of our own will and decision. We rebelled against God. And now we have a very nature of sin. And in his incredible, overwhelming love, inconceivable love, God the Son, Jesus, of his own will and decision, enters the world. The world he created to redeem and save mankind whom he created from their sins. Greatest love story ever told. But the reality is we desperately need him. So if you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're not currently at this moment trusting and relying, clinging to Jesus in every way you know how, for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And Jesus only, knowing that nothing you do will help you get to heaven. I said this before, if you took the the accumulated, if you took the best, if you took 15 seconds here, 10 seconds here, 10 seconds here, 15 seconds here, 30 seconds here, a minute here, and you added it all up, and you took, say, the best three minutes that I ever lived, me, that I know about, the best things I ever did, the most thoughtful, loving, Christ-like things I ever did, and you bundled them all up into the best three minutes of my life, and you added it to the cross, I'd spoil it. I'd utterly spoil it, I'd defile it, and I'd go to hell. We're trying to make it clear, I'm trying to make it clear, That the scriptures make it clear that there's nothing we can do. None of our works can be added to what Jesus has done. It is only the work of Christ and Christ alone that saves us from our sin. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save us. But with this understanding, with this understanding that, that, that you and I are in desperate need of a savior, that we are hopeless, that we are helpless. And with that understanding, we run and humble ourselves before Jesus. And we humbly ask him to be the Lord of our life and come and live in our heart. We proclaim to him, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me, and I believe you're alive and risen, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart. And Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and reliance in you and you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. Okay, again, use the words. 
you can use the words I just used, but the important thing is that is that you know your need of Christ and obviously that you mean them. You don't get saved by puppeting prayers, right? It's the condition of your heart and the desperation of desiring Christ and running to him. If you become a Christian, if you do that genuinely, then you are no longer from below. Then you too are from above. And you're one with Jesus Christ and your sins will be forgiven. And God the Father is your heavenly Father. There's just nothing better than that. It goes from the most terrible thing imaginable and worse to the most incredibly beautiful, wonderful, exciting thing and better. Choose life today. Choose Jesus. All right, we're rolling. So that was verse 23. Jesus said in 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. John 8, 24. The words are plain. They're spoken by Jesus himself. If you do not believe... I am the one that I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. We have to deal with Jesus. We all have Bibles, but it's like we don't read these verses soberly and just thoughtfully. All right. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for the holy scriptures. Wow. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We thank you today. We ask you to lead us and guide us now, Holy Spirit, as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, 25 to 32. So Jesus just told the religious leaders that they would die in their sins. You will indeed it's a certainty that without Jesus, we'll die in our sin and spend eternity separated from him in hell. Verse 25, who are you, they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do what pleases him. Verse 30, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth 
will set you free. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Those are some of the most uh, just famous scriptures in the Bible, some of the most important scriptures in the Bible. So verse 25, you know, they asked this question, who are you, they asked. Now he has told them over and over and over on multiple occasions who he is. He's told them clearly that he is the Messiah, but they refuse to believe it. You know, this question, who are you? It can be the most beautiful and the most important question in the history of the world. Who is Jesus is the most important question in the world. That's what they're asking. Who are you? So if you're asking with a sincere heart, a genuine heart, and you genuinely, genuinely desire to know who Jesus is, that's a wonderful and beautiful thing. There's nothing more important than that. But that's not how they're asking. They're asking Jesus, who are you, so that they can trap him, so that they can, they can continue to pester him, so that they can silence him, so that they can condemn him. They don't truly want to know who Jesus is. They just, they just want to stir up controversy about him. They want to stir up agitation. You know, and, and we have that in our world today, even amongst so-called Christians. Do you really want to know who Jesus is? It's good if you want to ask Jesus, who, who are you, Lord? But often we can ask with the wrong motives because we really don't want to know him. We just want to have an excuse to not believe what we don't want to believe. Does that make sense? Sometimes we don't want to believe Jesus. We don't want to grow to know Jesus, but we want to justify ourselves in that. You know, there are people who are listening to this teaching or, 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 or other people who are teaching the word of God, and you don't want to believe it. You want to rebel against it. You want to find problems with it. You want to disagree with it. And there are even people who, who may affirm you in your unbelief. But that's not in the Bible. There really are no sincere atheists. You may act sincere. You may believe that, you know, you are sincere. We've heard the famous statement, there are no atheists in hell. Because everybody's going to believe once they're there, right? We're going to know it's true. Everyone will know it's true if you're there. If you're in Christ, you won't be there. It's the same thing in heaven, right? Um, here we have to believe by faith. But, you know, once we're there, it won't be by faith anymore. So, you know, it's like there are atheists who want to continue to believe that there is no God. There are agnostics who want to sincerely, in their minds, believe that Jesus is not the only way. They believe there's something out there, but they're not sure. And, but, but ultimately, a fair reading of the scriptures. Um, and there are atheists that will say this, that, that clearly, that if they're wrong, 
you know, that the Bible clearly states that they, that they won't be able to say, I didn't understand. They won't be able to, to, to justify their unbelief. And, and that's what we have here. You know, if, if you're sincere, Jesus will reveal himself to you. But most people who are atheists and agnostic are not sincere. They're not going to Jesus. If you will go to Jesus, he will reveal himself to you. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. Listen to those words. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. He's not giving them anything new. When they say, who are you? He's explained to them that he is the Messiah. He's, ex he's explained to them that God the Father is his father. He's even used language that makes it very clear that he is God's son, making himself equal in nature with the Father. And they knew this. Just what I've been claiming all along. Hear what he said? Just what I've been claiming. Jesus didn't deny who he was. Yet they keep asking these questions because they don't want to accept the truth of who Jesus is. And again, if you're in that place today, I mean, give your life to Jesus Christ. If you have earnest and honest questions, sincere questions, genuine questions, then give yourself to him and he will reveal himself to you. Just what I've been claiming all along, we have to deal with this person in history, Jesus Christ, because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be the Messiah. And he made very clear that, that he was the only way in John 14, 6, that only in Jesus Christ can we have relationship with God the Father and ultimately go to heaven. Verse 26, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Jesus said, I have much to say in judgment of you. Jesus could have judged them for their insincerity. He could have judged them for their pretense. He could have judged them for their, their just jealousy, just their complete sinful, you know, just a manner toward him. In every way they were acting, he could have judged them for their unbelief. Um, he could have judged them for all the insults that they spoke against him. Um, you know, they were harassing when they said to him, you know, where is your father? They were basically saying that, you know, they've heard this stories that you were born of a virgin, but we don't believe that. We believe your, your mother was impure. And so they were, you know, they were just insulting to him. When he says, I'm going away, basically going to heaven, they say, will he kill himself? And, and now they're saying, who are you? You know, um, it's, it, you know, Jesus could have judged them in, 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 in many different ways. But he continued to extend mercy to these people who just didn't want it. It's amazing how we will turn away from God's mercy in our lives. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. 
I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. He's talking about God the Father now. And he's saying, you know, they, they believed that they knew God. They believed that they knew God the Father, Father God. And yet he tells them here, it's the Father is reliable, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Jesus is telling them, you think you know God, but what I'm telling you is from God the Father. It's God the Father that sent me, and it's the words I'm speaking to you are the words of the Father. Verse 27 says, they did not understand that he was telling them about his Father. Everything Jesus spoke are the words of God the Father. So if anyone is trying to get to God or get to heaven, you cannot do it except in and through Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking the very words of God the Father. So it doesn't matter what religions there are. Whatever religions there are in the world, whether it's Buddhism or Hindu, Hinduism or Islam or atheism or, or agnosticism um, or whatever isms there are, it all comes from Christ in Jesus and through Jesus only. Everything Jesus spoke, he spoke the words of God the Father. Or if you call, if you say, Everything Jesus spoke were the words of God. So if the Hindus have, you know, whatever God they have, the Buddhists, whatever God, the Muslims, whatever God, it's Jesus that's speaking on behalf of God, the Father. And Jesus himself is God, the Son. Verse 27 said they didn't understand. They did not understand that he was telling them about his Father. And they didn't want to understand. Sometimes we can ask, you know, questions because we want to sincerely understand things better. And if we're sincere, it will be revealed to us. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek to understand the kingdom of God and the son of God and right relationship with God. And everything else will, will be added to you. Everything else will be revealed. Everything else will take care of itself. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. Verse 28. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. And that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. So again, very clearly, Jesus, everything he's saying to them, He's trying to get them to understand that all of his words are the words of God the Father that they think they know, but they don't know him. And if today, if you have not received Jesus and if you have not received the words of Jesus Christ, believed the words of Jesus Christ and accepted the words of Jesus Christ, then you don't know God. In John 1, 12, uh, Jesus said that John said that to all who received him Jesus to those who believed in his name Jesus he gave the right to become children of God 
When Jesus says here, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, he's not talking about he's not talking about being lifted up on some throne. He's not talked. He's not talking about being lifted up to be admired. He's talking about being lifted up on a cross. And that in that time, you'll see the ultimate submission to God the Father. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is sweating what appears to be like drops of blood as he's, as, as he's going to become sin, as he's going to take on the sin of the entire world into his person and all the ramifications that go with that. And he says, Father, take this cup from me. And then the greatest example for us, he goes on to say, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, so is Jesus living on the earth as fully man and yet fully God, as fully man, he's experiencing just the incredible and overwhelming stress of what it means to go through this this overwhelming and just inconceivable cross and all that goes with that. And yet he submits himself to God the Father. He says, Father, yet not my will, yours be done. And ultimately, he will submit himself to the Father. He'll grow to the cross. He'll die for the sin of the world and he'll be raised on the third day, right? So when he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, Jesus will obey his Father in the ultimate example. It's one thing just to talk about theology and doctrine, but to obey in the hardest aspects of life is, um, you know, it's just, sometimes it's a lot easier for us to talk about just doctrine, to talk about the Bible, than to live out the hardest aspects of the Bible. And yet Jesus certainly has these conversations, but yet he will submit to the Father in, in the crucifixion, in the most horrible, torturous thing imaginable. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one, that I am the one I claim to be. You'll know that I, my claims of being sent for the Father will be true when I submit myself to this, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. It's, it's powerful. You see this again, this incredible unity. These claims, um, these claims to, 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 to speak the words of the Father. You see the unity of the Father and the Son here. And as I've said throughout the scriptures, you can see the just the cooperation of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the work of redemption in everything. Right? Three separate beings. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All God. He claims to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed that he was sent by God the Father. We have to deal with these claims in the world today. 
not only in the church, but all over the world, all 8 billion people need to deal with what this man said. Because to, to not deal with the claims of Jesus is, is just, is the most perilous thing a, a human being can do. It can and will cost us eternity if we do not deal with the absolute claims of Jesus that he is who he claimed to be, the savior of the world, God himself, God the Son. We have to deal with these claims and receive him. Verse 29. The one who sent me is with me. His father who sent him is always with him. He has not left me alone. The father has not left Jesus alone and he's not left us alone. For I always do what pleases him. We veer off from that. I certainly do. Jesus always did what pleased the Father. Again, an incredible, overwhelming statement of his sinlessness, right, Jason? My big brother, Jason Ross, wrote a book called The Sinless Man. Um, just, uh, just a solid work where just, you know, we're proved that, that, that Jesus Christ is the only person that ever walked this earth, that never sinned, that never did anything wrong, that always did in his life what was pleasing to the Father. Obviously, every human being alive, every rational human being has known they have done things consistently that are displeasing to God, whether it be in our thoughts or our words or in our actions. And that's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus became a man and lived a perfect life for us and died a perfect death for us and is alive and risen. He always did what is pleasing to God the Father. Verse 30 said, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. So although the religious leaders would not put their faith in him, the crowds, many of them there, the Jewish people that were there, actually believed him. And, 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 and began this life of faith. They actually, they could hear the things he was saying. They could hear the power of his teaching. They could see the difference between how he lived his life and how the religious leaders did. They can completely tell the difference between their teachers, their pastors, their leaders, and Jesus. And, and so they, they put their faith in him. But when we go to verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, now these are the same people. He's going to make it clear to them that just the surface level belief is, is not, not going to cut it. You know, just to intellectually believe in Jesus or to acknowledge that, yes, Jesus did live. And when you read the Bible, is 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 uh you know, you he real and you believe it, that that's not enough. We need to, we need, as I said earlier, we need to desperately trust in Jesus, rely on Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. We need to be clinging to Jesus, knowing we are hopeless and helpless without him as our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to Jesus' word, 
If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Wow. So he's making it clear to them that that's good, that they believe. But, but to, 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 to truly be a disciple of Jesus, to truly know what it means to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to, to hold to the teaching of Jesus. What does that mean? That means a real Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ is consistently holding to the word of God is holding to the teaching of Jesus. This is, again, a profound statement because, you know, this, this would be an absurd statement. This would be a ridiculous statement. This would be an utterly asinine statement if it was said by any other human being to ever live. If you hold to my teaching, Jesus said, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you hold to the word of God, Jesus just, Jesus just claimed, just claimed that his words are the word of God because he is God. Again, it is a powerful statement. Okay. He's looking at the Jews. Okay. Who've had the Bible, who've studied this Bible. And he says to them, if you hold to, my teaching. Now, his teaching is the whole Bible. Certainly, they don't know that at this time. But everything you see in the Gospels, okay, where Jesus is speaking, is certainly the Word of God. But the entire Bible is the Word of God. And really, the most important aspect of a disciple of Jesus Christ is you spend time in the Scriptures, studying the Scriptures, meditating on the Scriptures, chewing on the scriptures, and above all, holding and obeying the scriptures, being convicted by the scriptures and, and, and repenting where you look into the scriptures and see you're, you're thinking in a way that's wrong, believing in a way that's wrong, speaking in a way that's wrong, and acting in a way that's wrong. If you hold to my teachings, Jesus said, if you hold to my word, you are really my disciples. So, the high quality of a, a real disciple of Jesus, the foundational quality, the most important aspect is that you hold to the scriptures, that you study the scriptures. Do you see that? If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So again, that's certainly the teaching of Jesus and the disciples. Um, I'm sorry, certainly the teaching of Jesus and the gospels, but it's also all the remainder of the New Testament. And then the entire Old Testament as well, because that's all his word. He is God, God the Son. So this whole Bible is his word. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Are you holding to the word of God today? Is the word of God a priority in your life? Are you reading it and studying it and meditating on it and chewing on the word of God? You have a habit of being in the word of God and listening to the word of God being taught, just the Bible being taught, right? As you do here or with other ministers that are just teaching you the word of God. And are you helping others to know the word of God? 
helping others to understand the scriptures. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. We got to hold to the word of God. Verse 32, then you will know the truth. Very clear. We cannot know the truth unless we hold to the scriptures. It's only in devouring the scriptures, studying the scriptures, reading the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, obeying the scriptures, that we'll know the truth. Verse 32, then you will know the truth. If you're not spending time in the word of God, then you won't know the truth. If we don't spend time in the word of God, we'll continue to be infants. It's in the word of God and studying the word of God and meditating on the word of God, may that we grow up in the scriptures. Got to be in that Bible, Scott. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's only the scriptures that'll set us free. It's the scriptures that teach us who Jesus Christ is. It's through the scriptures that we know that Jesus Christ, that God has given his word in the Bible, that Jesus Christ, God the Son, became a human man, <coughs> lived a perfect life for us, died a perfect death for us, and is alive and risen today. It's by the scriptures that we know that if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and cling to him as our only hope, as our only Lord and Savior, that will be saved and forgiven of our sin. And that we will go to heaven and spend eternity there. And that God the Father will be our heavenly Father. It's only in the scriptures that, that we know, that's, that we learn these things and we believe these things because we believe the word of God. And we are free. We're free from deception. We know the truth. And we, and we get out of the deception of this world. Two of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible. Jesus saying, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Hold to the word of God today. Study it. Meditate on it. Be convicted by it. Repent when you see that it's showed you something that's out of place in your life. And above all, obey the word of God. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth. You'll know that all this is true, what we're saying about Jesus, and that truth will set you free in every way in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the living word of God. Father, we, we thank you for loving us. And above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you for giving us your word. We ask you to help us to hold to your word, to hold to your teaching. Help us, Lord Jesus, just to, uh, to live our lives for you. We just thank you for, for your love for us and for living for us and dying for us. And we worship you, our risen Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Lead us moment by moment into the word of God that we might study it and hold on to it. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would illuminate the word of God for us, that we would know the truth of your word, and that we would walk in greater and greater freedom in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.